Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Stayed onside. The late man Matthews. Great move. What a goal. Beauty. Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner. Mitch Marner centering. Hyman to the net. Scores. He took fast down and his shot trapped in the corner. All right, here we go. Episode 16, Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And just a reminder, Not Another Leafs Podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now. New users, enter code THPN at sign up. BMAC, big week for Toronto as they get a pair more wins and improve to 5-2 and two on the young season and first place in the all-Canadian Scotiabank division. Kenny, yes, sir. I, I think that was probably the most complete well-rounded 60 minutes I've seen. I mean, Flames hadn't played since probably Sunday, Monday. It was like a week. So they definitely didn't have their legs, not not a lot of jump, and Toronto capitalized. And considering Markstrom was was really hot coming in as well, it, uh, it was definitely a complete, complete team effort tonight. No, I really liked Toronto's game. And to your point, when you're playing against a hot goaltender, this is exactly what you have to do to create offense. I thought Toronto did a really good job tonight of getting bodies in front of the net, just throwing pucks on net. It's the old cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason because when you're playing a goaltender that has the talents of Markstrom, sometimes you just need to get pucks into gritty areas, try to create second-chance opportunities with shots from the point, shots from the outside. I thought that Toronto was able to do that against Calgary tonight in a similar fashion to the way that Ottawa was able to do it to Toronto in game two of the season, get some garbage goals. They still count the same on the score sheet. And they're able to beat Calgary's hot goaltender three times to come out with a three to two win. So I was really impressed by the effort today. Um, and hopefully they can, t- can continue to build on the, what's been a pretty good stretch. They've won four of their last five now and seem to be firing on all cylinders. Absolutely, man. And a couple milestones too to boot Mitch Barner, notching his 300th career point, second youngest leaf to hit that mark. Wayne Simmons notching his 500th career point. I don't know if anyone would have discovered this, but maybe I was just looking far too into this game. But Wayne Simmons, okay, he wears number 24. 
He scored on the 24th shot for the Leafs on the 24th day of this month. <laughs> kind of weird, kind of trippy. I was, I had, <laughs> I had to kind of sub that in at one point. Yeah, you were just, just so the audience realizes. I'm assuming this is the big stat you were sitting on. You're like, I've got a weird one that I'm going to bring up once we get into the Calgary chatter. So correct. Yeah, and so we're I, three minutes in. <laughs> yeah, couldn't couldn't wait to squeeze that one out. No, I thought that you're getting contributions from all over the map. And one narrative coming into the last couple of games, I thought against the Oilers game on against the Oilers on Friday night. And then again, against Calgary to a lesser extent, since they got the win against Edmonton, but particularly with Austin Matthews being out of the lineup was that much more of the onus was going to be on Maple Leafs assistant captain and winger Mitch Marner. And the facts, a lot has been made to do about the facts that Marner was negotiating or very, uh, how do you, how do I want to say this diplomatically? Um, he held the Leafs feet to the fire to get every last penny on his contract negotiation. And that rubbed a lot of Maple Leaf fans the wrong way entering last year's season. And then it was documented during the season that Marner was feeling the extra pressure based off the facts that he was getting paid as I believe he's the top seven, top eight play, paid player in the league at this point. So obviously if you're going to be paid like that, you have to perform. He's been catching a lot of criticism online, but I can't really see why right now this guy's leading the NHL in points with 10 points on the year. I think he's been one of the most dynamic players on the ice on a night in night out basis for Toronto and certainly seems to have put all that self self um, self inflicted, let's say pressure behind him that he was feeling a year ago. That's right. And he definitely deserved a star tonight. I believe Jack Campbell was number three, but I think he should have been the first star. I mean, we've talked about how important he has been off the ice for this Maple Leafs team. And, and finally, being able to solidify that that backup goaltender role. And I don't know, Kenny, maybe this week they're, they're going to come out and say there is a short-term injury because he did look really shaken up on the play and he did stay for the last minute of the hockey game. But, I mean, you got to think that would be a, a, a big blow because their, their goalie depth isn't ideal right now. Well, certainly not, especially after Aaron Dell got plucked up off the waiver wire by, I believe it was New Jersey ended up picking him up yes. off the waiver wire, but this is what happens. And this is actually what happened a couple of years ago to Toronto is you come into the off season feeling pretty good about having, you know, X amount of NHL goaltenders on the roster. And then uh, eventually if you have to put them down through training camp and other teams have the opportunity to snap them up, losing Campbell for any amount of time would be devastating for this group because he's really looked good in net and he's going to give Frederick Anderson the opportunity to get some rest on a night in night out basis. He's looked phenomenal in that in the two starts that he's had for Toronto to this point. And I think that the organization and certainly head coach Sheldon Keith have a tremendous amount of confidence in the way that he's been playing, that they'll put him in against any opponent on any given night. It's not just going to be the second leg of the back-to-backs and the team feels like when he's in the, between the pipes, they're still going to have an opportunity to win the game. I thought he was outstanding tonight and came up with a number of big saves throughout the game. A lot of talk, too, has been on the back end. Morgan Riley, of course, anchoring the blue line. But Justin Hall, Kenny, has kind of sneakily been really effective on the back end, too. Really, really strong on McDavid in defending in, in a few nights ago. So, you know, he's not that flashy, but he's really, really kind of come into his own and a solid, solid piece in the top four pairing. 
this gentleman, Justin Hall, is going to solidify himself a one-way ticket to Seattle if he continues to play the way that he's been playing now. He's been absolutely outstanding this season. I think he's the biggest surprise. And I think also this is kind of another blemish, not to bring him up because uh, we don't like talking about him too much, but another blemish on Mike Babcock as the head coach of the Maple Leafs. This guy scratched Justin Hall for, I believe it was 71 games in the, the season prior to last season where Sheldon Keefe ended up taking over through the middle. And really since Keefe has come in, Hall has become a stalwart on the back end. He's looked tremendous with Jake Muzzin playing the shutdown role in, in that pairing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he's been one of the most impressive players for me at the start of the season. He's making the smart plays with the puck. He doesn't look to be getting exposed on defense. He's getting the most difficult matchup on a night in night out basis. I've been so impressed by the way that this player has looked so far to this point in the season for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. And I remember when they first called him up, he had like two goals in his first two games. And he was like, ah, it's a fluke. And then obviously he comes back to earth, but Babcock, no surprise, sewered him and comes back under Keefe's wing and he thrives. So, and Babcock, his first in-studio analyst gig started tonight and he finally fessed up to some of the uh, rumors going around, but man, I just would, I want to punch my TV. I'm just sick of it. I'm glad it's done, but ah, I'm going to have to watch it at some point. I haven't gotten a chance to check out Babs Babcock's analysis yet. I heard that he was uh, asked about some of the stuff leaving Toronto. He sort of talked about it on camera again, like this circles back to what we were talking about in the last pod. And I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. I probably am already spending more time on it than the listeners want to hear. But this a lot in large part seems like it's all for Mike Babcock and is an attempt for him to clear his name and ultimately get um, reinstated as a head coach in the National Hockey League at some point. And now it probably won't happen this season, but I would not be surprised to see it in a year or two down the road. I just uh, don't really have time for the excuses at this point. I think his tactics have been deplorable at times in his career. I don't want to hear at this point that his actions weren't as deplorable as they seemed or were perceived by the public because it just doesn't, doesn't add up for me. And by the way, we have a poll going on right now on Twitter. How do you feel about the Leafs current status so far this season? 30% saying need to see more 45% say confident and 25% expected results so far. So I think that's going to change after that Calgary dub Kenny it should change. Like the fans should feel better about the win over Calgary. And I think that what was important to note about the Calgary win as well was that it wasn't really a finesse game. It was kind of a, one of those grittier ones. There wasn't a ton of scoring chances going one way or the other. Although there was, I did think that Markstrom was up to the task on some of Toronto's scoring tasks chances earlier on in the game. Elaine Mikheyev had the really nice sort of breakaway backhander. They rang right off the post. So there were opportunities certainly in the game, but I don't know how the fan base couldn't feel confident in the way that this team has played. I think that they've looked to be the better team on the ice the majority of the time. I think their power play is clicking, despite the fact that it doesn't seem like there's ever one consistent unit out there. Sheldon seems to be playing around with that quite a lot. And the first unit doesn't seem to be necessarily creating as much as it was last season ago, but they're clicking at above a 40% percent efficiency right now. And that certainly is going to bode well if they can continue Obviously, they'll come down from the 40% mark, but if they can continue to put pucks in the net on the man advantage and keep them out winning the special teams battle on a night-in, night-out basis, that's going to win you a lot of hockey games. And a little chippiness, too, towards the end, actually right when time expired between Kachuk 
and I believe it was muzzin. So this is just starting to heat up, boil up, but these are just the tight, tight knitted <laughs> heated rivalries we're going to get from the Scotiabank yeah. North division, but it's a great way to, to kickstart the road trip because they are headed to, no, they're, they're remaining in Cal on, on twos and, and then they hit uh, oil country. Yeah. Pair against the Oilers. Is anybody really surprised to see this out? Matthew Kachuk? I mean, he's a menace. This is like, yeah. This is the kind of player he is. I would actually be disappointed if he wasn't trying to stir the pot, especially he's got to drop him with Simmons next game. Like it's happening. Oh man. Like I, I, if I was Kachuk. I, I don't know if I'd feel the need to drop him with Simmons. I mean, he's such a, that'd be about more. Well, he's a more talented player at this point in his career. I don't think he needs to just go out and fight a brawler, another brawler for the sake of fighting. I think that Kachuk might be kind of over that. He'll drop him if he needs to, but it might just fall into is, it though. He might just fall into it. I should say as a Calgary fan, it's like, you love the tenacity that Kachuk plays with, but in a certain way, isn't it the same sort of thing that how Maple Leaf fans would feel if you see Matthews dropping the gloves? I mean, like you, you, you love the facts that this guy's showing the tenacity they wants to throw him for his team or Crosby is a similar situation in Pittsburgh, but all you're worried about is that he's going to throw one of those punches. He's going to hit the helmet and break a knuckle and then he's going to end up missing some significant time. So I think that the organization, like they love Kachuk to play with the edge uh, between the whistles, but I don't think at this point, they're really going to be too enthused about him dropping the gloves in game seven of the season. You know, when, it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessary really at this point in time, especially with the offense that he's expected to contribute to the organization. Two guys really in particular can really just be shuffled up and down the lineup. That being one is Mikheyev and Jimmy VC. I think he's been outstanding. He's seeing a lot of time with Tavares and Nylander. The win against Edmonton on Friday night, it's especially effective. And once again, proving he belongs in that top six. That line against the Oilers the other nights, like, my goodness, were they not the best line on the ice? Absolutely. I'm talking about BC, Kerfoot, 100%. and Elander. Yeah. Like, that chemistry was unreal. And, like, I got to be honest, like, VC, you know he has upside. I, I We've seen it a couple of games. He obviously got the marker today against Calgary, which was kind of just a gimme on – or was that against Edmonton, rather? It was against Edmonton the other night. It was kind of just a gimme, open net. He was in the right place, right time, buried that. But my goodness, that that line looked dominant. And obviously, we know what to expect out of William Nylander after having a career year last year. We expect him to continue to bring it as one of the best players on the ice. But Alex Kerfoot was the one that really surprised me, galvanizing that group. He's really just been playing a shutdown role since he came over to Toronto. And you're able to see that when paired with a, a more talented offensive player, that he can play in that role. He can play in that top six role if need be. Now, granted, he's not going to have many opportunities to do that based off the fact that the two guys in front of him are pretty good, Austin Matthews and John Tavares. So likely he will be sitting on that third line pairing. But it's nice to know you have a little bit of flexibility to bump him up the lineup and still have some offensive success if need be, because injuries happen and guys are going to miss time, particularly as these matchups get a little bit more heated as the season goes goes along here. VC Kerfoot, Nylander line. 88% 88% shot attempts. So they were dominating in that. That's win. domination. Complete domination. For who, man. for who, for who you're like, who you're playing against. Like my goodness, it was just so impressive. And like the big guys for Toronto have been like very impressive for me, like JT on the power play. I believe he has four power play goals so far this season. Like you love to see that of Tavares. I feel Almost like all of them are with the man advantage. 
Yeah, and that's what you respect out of Tavares, to be one of those dominant players when you have the man advantage. It was one of those things that he really never looked comfortable. I think last year, after the broken finger earlier on in the year, he sort of struggled to find his game after that point. He seems to be have picked up right where he left off in the 2018-2019 season during this year where he's, he's confident, he's putting the puck in the back of the net at a pretty good pace early on, and that bodes well for Toronto, certainly, because when you have, as we've discussed, when you have all these top heavy deals and invest in certain players, you need them to produce. They all certainly seem to be producing so far for Toronto, and that's good news. I think actually all his goals might be on the PP, I think, which would I think be he outstanding. Has, I think he has one, one five on five. One five on five. It's, yeah, it's 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 four or five, and like another one tonight. So like Riley with three assists tonight as well. Like that's good for him just uh, to get get the scoring flowing. Now again, it's sort of like you know how much you have to do with it when it's you know hitting a Flames player in the ass and going in the back of the net or it's going off a skate in front or whatever. It's not necessarily the pretty primary assist where you're threading the needle on the saucer pass and, you know, finding Mitch Marner on a breakaway and he buries it, but the points count the same at the end of the year. And sometimes that's all you need for the confidence. It's just to start racking up some points and see that when you look at the score sheet at the end of the night, or when you look at the league total, see your name sort of climbing up the list there that could do a lot and confidence for Morgan Riley in this game and understanding that TJ Brody is also going to have his back on the defensive side who, oh, by the way, I also think has looked outstanding for Toronto. He just seems to be sliding around on two-on-ones all the time and just blocking the pass. It's just such a, like, it's like when I play NHL, except then I just trip the guy and, like, end up having to go kill a penalty, except he's just so efficient with it. Like, it's been very impressive to watch so far. I think that he's really fit the billing for what the description was coming over from Calgary. How good does that feel to get a dub against your former team after spending 10 years with that organization? Was it 10 years? 10 seasons. That's unbelievable. All right, let's get to Tweet of the Day, shall we? <whistles> Kristen Shilton once again. So Jack Campbell was asked about Matthew Kachuk postgame. And obviously they're trying to blow up the, the chippiness towards the end, as I alluded to before. And he said... I don't look at him. I don't look at him as a menace. I look at him as a really good hockey player. <laughs> so he's just trying to completely diffuse it. <laughs> but yeah, come on, you know something's brewing. Campbell's, I think, like kind of the type of guy that would apologize for making saves. Yeah. Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, like oh man, it was a great shot. Like, sorry, yeah, just you good? Uh, I, had, I had a better look at you know like. Uh, yeah, he. you're never going to get a hot take out of Jack Campbell. He's just an all-around locker room guy, has a lot of respect around the league, and doesn't really stir the pot. He doesn't really have to playing between the pipes, just just uh, sticks to his game, and he was very successful tonight, and that's exactly what you expect out of Kachuk as well, to go hard to the net, and obviously he ends up falling on Campbell's head. It was Kachuk that fell on his head, right? That's why he was commenting on it. Yeah, so that's the expectation that you – have of Kachuk as well. He's just going to go hard to the net. He's going to get into the greasy areas. He's going to try to rattle the cage on a netminder that Calgary was trying to trying to beat on this particular evening. Campbell is up to the task for the majority of it. So I've got no problem with Kachuk, and I think that Campbell's comments are a par for the course. Who you got? Um, <laughs> my tweet of the day. So basically, it's a response to. Uh, are you familiar with the account editor and Leaf? 
I'm sure. Yes, um, very much. Sure, so. Yeah, he's kind of a jabroni. Uh, basically, he writes these columns for, I don't know, like fan sided or whatever. So basically, he was suggesting that Jake Muzzin was going to be traded because they got a bunch of left handed D who could take over for a spot. He was citing Lettinen and Sandine or whatever. And this guy, Drive425 at SMCY, says, if you want to run a crappy fanboy blog with ridiculous articles, that's fine. <laughs> However, if you want to be taken seriously at all, understanding basic comment concepts like no move clauses and no trade clauses is required. Muzzin has an NMC this year and a full and no NTC for two seasons after. So basically, like this guy's just tweeting about how Muzzin's going to be traded, but he, he can't be traded like simply this year. Like obviously Kyle Dubas, who just extended this guy and gave him those clauses. Four more is years. Is he going to be approaching Jake Muzzin and saying, hey, you, you mind waving this clause? We're going to ship you out of town. You're our best defensive defenseman. It's just so preposterous. That's a jabroni. Yeah, that's a jabroni. Like I'm, I'm just like, man, I don't even know why I follow him, to be honest. I think I only follow him just to see him get completely roasted every time he puts something out into the universe because it's so stupid. I think we need to sub in jabroni of the day for tweet of the day in future jabroni, weeks. Jabroni of the or day. Or jabroni of the week. It could be that guy every week. He always <laughs> just has these crap takes. Like I can't, I can't even, I can't even decipher like if that he's being serious or not, or if he's just like Sid Sixero, who's just throwing stuff out just so like, just so people will click on it, but he doesn't believe any of it. Who also is leaving Sportsnet, by the way, so. Yes, congratulations on your next journey, Sid Six Hero. Should we go to around yeah. the world? Because there was some big stuff happening around the league. Around, around the world, around the league. Yeah, sure, around wherever you want to call let's it. Go, let's go, man. Let's, let's travel. Go. You're my first uh, travel buddy when we're able to travel. I appreciate that, but I get nervous on airplanes, so just keep that into consideration. We'll have to take a coach bus like John Madden. Well, I'm sure Lionel's taking a private jet to uh, Columbus. <laughs> wow. I mean, I think in short, the, the Jets got the better end in this deal. I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois, he's still a stud centerman, and he was just fed up with torts and the coaching style. He, he just run out of time in Columbus. He wasn't happy with the coach. He wasn't happy with the management. He wasn't happy with the wingers that he was playing with. He just yeah. needed to go. And ultimately, Winnipeg was the partner who had a piece that was also, you know, drafted second overall in the same draft. Dubois was third. Matthews was first that year. It just so happens that Patrick Laine was having similar feelings in Winnipeg that he wanted out because he wasn't getting opportunities to play on the top line with Mark Shifley. So at the end of the day, this is a good hockey trade for both organizations. I think that the Winnipeg Jets, similarly to the way that you think, got the better end of this trade. I think that having Shifley Dubois down the middle and then Lowry getting bumped to the third C or even Paul Sasney being at the third C is going to significantly help their depth. Now, I'm not sure that a lot of people think the same way as you and I, as uh, Kevin Dayoff was getting absolutely roasted for trading line A and only getting Dubois in a third round pick back in return. And also, uh, Roslovich was in the trade as well. So who has still some upside as well. That's a good piece. He was buried. He was buried in Winnipeg. He was basically playing third, fourth line minutes in Winnipeg. He wasn't going to fit into their mold of what they were trying to do. So for whatever reason, that didn't work out, but I love this trade for the Winnipeg jets. I think that it gives them the best one, two punch for center, the center position outside Toronto and the rest of the Canadian division. And that could go a long way for you. So 
congratulations to them for signing Pierre-Luc Dubois, still under team control for two more years, and then a restricted free agent after that. So they have a chance to either try to re-sign him to a long-term deal if it's working out, or then they can parlay him and send him to a bigger market and still get something back in return. So, and already the extension talks I've heard uh, have started between um, Columbus and Patrick Laine. So Yarmo Kekalainen, that's uh, the name. I was trying to think of the GM of Columbus. I keep getting jammed up. But the uh, contract extensions between Yarmo and Laine have already started for a long-term deal. So they go all around to good at hockey trading. You'd like to see more of these, but because of the hard cap system, it's not you can't really do it too often. Not like the NBA where these trades are just happening happening every offseason. Yeah, and you know, man, who who knows how how well or how effective Line is going to mesh with Torts, his new line mates. I mean, they got a goal scorer, which they so desperately needed for the top six, but surrounding Line, it's it's not uh, better than Winnipeg. So <laughs> that's I, I can already see, thing, isn't it? I can already see like just friction between Torts and Line. Well, it's like, who's going to be a center over there? It's like, you wanted a better center to play with. There certainly aren't any better centers in Winnipeg. Like who, than, who's he going to play with, the, Texier? Than, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's like, if Felino, like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't it's, know. I hopefully Torch <laughs> figures it out fast. Like, you know, who's been really impressive for me so far in the Canadian division has been the, the Habs. And I know that, like, Toronto fans will, won't like to hear it, but they've looked so impressive. They're 4-0-2 on the season. They've looked incredible. They've, yeah, their goal differential, like they've been putting pucks in the net at an alarming pace. Like this was the storylines coming into the season was, oh, yeah, they got a bunch of, you know, second and third line players, but are they going to be able to score? Well, they've been scoring goals in bunches to the tune that they have the best goal differential in the league. They're currently sitting a second in the Canadian division at 4-0 and 2 behind Toronto. So impressive. I've been so impressed so far by the play of Montreal. I have been too. And again, not a, not a flashy team whatsoever. They just grind you into the ice, they'll outskate you, out hustle you. And again, Josh Anderson, one of the best off season acquisitions for a NHL club this year or last year rather. So yeah, man, I mean, I, I have them in my top four to, to at least make the playoffs. I think they would be a really sneaky, sneaky team. I think obviously they're going to come back to earth soon. But their play right now has been remarkable. And Carey Price has looked like trash, too. Like, I believe he has a sub-900 save percentage, or at least he did coming into the weekend. And he was giving up, you know, four or five goals in a contest. He gave up four to, who was it, the Vancouver Canucks when they uh, ended up losing in the shootout? Or they uh, won in the shootout, rather, I believe. Actually, if uh, memory serves me correctly, it was a goddamn shootout. Did they win? No, they lost because Toffoli rang it off the crossbar. Anyways, I'm getting all jammed up. The Carey Price <laughs> hasn't looked good, though, between the pipes. And that's been the most surprising thing because this right. was supposed to be the steady part of the team. And so was the defense. Normally, they that's the one just carrying up, the team. Yeah. But, but they seem to be giving up a fair amount of goals, but it hasn't mattered because they've been scoring them in bunches. So very impressive stuff from Claude Julien and the Montreal Canadiens. I feel like we need to throw in library bar this week too. We're just, we're just doing it all. It's a big week. We're recording this Sunday, Jan 24th, but it's, it's a huge day in sports.
piece of shit Then stepped Guess away Guess it was meant to be Romance is misery So much for memories And now I'm headed to the penitentiary See me on TV oh, For me it's gonna be uh, my boy uh, Tom Brady and Bruce Arians Well my boys I should say I've been so impressed by Tom Brady's career, a noted, noted Pats fan, and the fact that he is now heading to his 10th straight, or not 10th straight, but his 10th Super Bowl in his career, and they're going to be playing at their home field in Tampa Bay nonetheless. Um, it's been so impressive to watch. I think this is the most captivating storyline for me of any of the four that were available entering championship weekend, the four potential winners. And the fact that he could win the Super Bowl the year after leaving New England would be the ultimate F you to Belichick for letting him walk out the door. It's been incredible to watch. And uh, although three interceptions, in addition to three touchdowns, stay in Lambeau Fields, not his best playoff performance, but he did enough to get the job done. And I've been so impressed by watching Tom Brady throughout his whole career, and he continued it today. I'm hoping that Tampa Bay can get a win now in uh, the Super Bowl in two weeks. TB12. This guy will he never stop. Drink, he's going to play it. He's, he's going to play at 60. <laughs> like, like it's a crappy choice to be at the library bar because he's being there drinking a soda water. Probably. And maybe like some nuts or just some. No, he's not eating any of the bar nuts. Like he isn't even his strawberries. You don't want to have a strict diet that guy's on. Well, almonds is fine. Like maybe a few nuts and almonds just to get some protein. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. He's not like, I, I feel like you feel like he's not eating anything at the bar. He's like just going, going home to his personal chef. I like, it's a crappy choice for the library bar because he's definitely not going to a bar ever. Anyways. Well, I'm going to switch to the sticking, ice. I'm sticking with my decision. I'm going to, I'm going to switch to the ice and, and go with Lindsay Eastwood defender for the Toronto six of the NWHL. I was covering that game today and she scored the team's first ever goal. Huge, huge moment for the team, for the sport. And I got to see it live. So I was definitely hey. celebrating. So congrats. Hope you're having a few bevies tonight, Lindsay. They came in bunches too, eh? Like I, they got shut out in their first game. Is that correct? 3 0. And then, and then unfortunately, they, they in... lost today, 6 5 in a shootout. Oh, okay. Cause like I was watching it and they were down. They scored the first one. That was like the second one came along not that far after. And then the third one came along not too long after that. So really impressive stuff from the Toronto Six. I was actually on the poking around on their website today. They got some really cool merchandise. So gonna have to pick myself up a little hoodie looks uh the, i love the color scheme of the red black and gold absolutely Very kind of uh I'm kind of you. ottawa senators-esque but i can't be seen wearing a two-dimensional ottawa senators jersey around toronto even if i like the color scheme and even if i'm a fan of the logo so the toronto six is going to pick up some team merch later later in the week and if you want to watch Toronto six games in the future. You can watch them for free on Twitch, I believe. This podcast brought to you by DraftKings. So please be sure to download the DraftKings app now. New users enter the code THPN at sign up for exclusive offers. Kenny. Some sad news today with the passing of George Armstrong, a Maple Leafs legend. And he was one of the first hockey players of Indigenous descent to play. Won four cups with the Leafs. Sincere prayers, thoughts go out to the Armstrong family. Just awful news. No, an iconic, iconic Maple Leaf. And yeah, one wore the sea in Toronto forever. Uh, you know my Indigenous heritage. So the fact that he was the first Indigenous player to ever score a goal 
in the NHL or the first one per player with indigenous heritage that hit pretty home for me as uh, the fact that he was a pioneer of the sport and set the example for generations, future generations to know that they could push past the traditional barriers and make a career in the NHL. So can't say enough about what Armstrong meant to the game, what he meant to the organization and just take a moment of silence to respect one of the legends of the game and the organization because some things can't be quantified and certainly his contributions are one of those things for the organization and for the indigenous community.